0: Hello, I'm Delos Shea and I am the country ambassador for the CDO Magazine for Canada and I'm also a member of the editorial board. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Arlo Gilbert, who is the founding CEO of a company called Osana. So thank you for joining me here today, Arlo. So why don't I just start by letting you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, my name is Arlo Gilbert. I am the CEO and co-founder of a company named Osano. We make data privacy software for businesses. Uh, About me, I live in Austin, Texas, and I uh, have the proud distinction of being one of the few people who's actually from Austin, Texas. Uh, So I have grown up here and watched it transform in the last decade into uh, a new startup mecca. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's been extraordinary watching that transformation. Thanks for having me on.
0: Cool, I've been to Houston a few times, but never to Austin. So perhaps that will be in my future. Absolutely, so we'll buy the tacos. Time, or shrimp. That was always my favorite thing to eat uh, near the coast. So Arlo, we um, had a little bit of a chance to talk about your history. And I know that you have um, are the founder of many startups. It seems to be a passion of yours to have a great idea, to bring it to different industries and to commercialize it. So I guess just to start the conversation, why privacy today?
1: Absolutely. I mean, and that's a, that's a question. My wife certainly asked me when I decided to start another company. Uh, yeah, so I've been building companies for 25 years. It's all I have done professionally my entire adult life. Uh, I was very fortunate in college. That was the, uh, kind of the beginning of the dot-com boom in the late, in the late nineties. Um, but in terms of data privacy you know i've built a lot of companies where the primary focus of building the business was making money right that's and that's that's great because that's what businesses are supposed yeah. to do is create shareholder value um but as uh you know my co-founder and i had had an exit uh we had sold our last business to a private equity fund in the in the spring of 2018 And I think both of us were just hitting a point in our lives where we wanted to have a positive impact on the world. And we wanted to do something our children could be really proud of that wasn't just about the dollars. And, uh, you know, we evaluated things like, you know, clean tech and, uh, you know, education. And it turns out that we don't really know a lot about those topics. So it's not likely that we can be really impactful in that area. Um, But data privacy, you know, we certainly saw this massive increase in, Um, The number of people asking us whether we were GDPR compliant, uh, Mm -hmm. customers of ours asking whether the data products that we were selling at our last business could aid them in GDPR compliance. And uh, and so, you know, as good entrepreneurs, we saw a pattern. We started seeing this big uptick in in data privacy related stuff. Uh, It was more common in the news. And this was 2018. Um, And, uh, you know, we just ultimately decided that building a company around data privacy would allow us to do what we're really good at which is building businesses while also having that positive impact that we both wanted to have um you know we can help companies to we can help companies where maybe i don't even like the company and i don't like what they do all day i think their business is maybe not uh, not wonderful but um but we can help them be a better version of themselves right and so um a little bit like that that uh that scene from it's a wonderful life when he says uh you know, every time you hear a bell, an angel gets its wings. Um, you know, every time that somebody sees a consent dialogue that is compliant and gives them, you know, honest, transparent clarity about what's going to happen with their data, um, those companies have just done something a little bit better for the universe. And mm-hmm. so that is why we started Osano. Um, and, you know, also, I have spent a uh, an entire career building companies that were uh, predominantly focused on, you know, taking uh, taking opportunities in the market, using data, and uh, and then using that data to create competitive advantages. And so, I have a really deep understanding of the why behind all the data that's getting transferred, and and I know the kinds of pains and problems that companies have. So it just felt like a really natural fit. Uh, kind of like falling in love, right? You just go, oh, that's it. I know it. This is what I have to do. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why we decided to, to focus on privacy. And then we started Osano because, um, you know, uh, it was either start a nonprofit, uh, which sounds kind of thankless, or, uh, <laughs> or build a business where we can try and align commercial outcomes with the societal goals that we have.
0: Excellent. So certainly it sounds like the stars aligned in terms of your experience in building SaaS-based platforms. Then looking at all of the trends that are happening around data protection, privacy, and then adding on the complexity of the velocity and complexity of technologies, especially AI regulators and industries are really, really trying to grapple what does this mean how it's going to change society. I think the jury is still out there, but I think it is going to be seriously impactful. I've been around the privacy space for a very long time, over two decades, so I've seen a lot like yourself. And my experience in working in this space has been the complexity around managing data, especially going back to having to integrate data sources, databases, and trying to make that data usable. There's a lot that goes underneath and with the impact of SaaS and being able to use these types of tools, it is a bit of a silver lining. I think it's not, you know, a simple transition, but certainly that silver lining and that hope of being able to manage data in a more impactful and efficient way. So based on that, and so you're coming into this more from a technology perspective, you have an opportunity, you see a a need in the market, what do you think are the major trends happening right now from a regulatory perspective where you feel that Osano can actually help organizations achieve compliance and then probably more importantly maintaining that compliance?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, the wheels of justice certainly move slowly. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Della, you've you've been around. So uh, you know, you you you've been you've been around back when I was around and Starting companies, we used to have a rack of servers in a data center somewhere that we probably owned or leased. And like all of our data was on there. And so it was, there was no such thing as sharing data. It just didn't really exist. It was all internal and you controlled everything. Mm -hmm. But this really big shift to the cloud and companies, you know, focusing on the cloud and leveraging third parties for analytics solutions and marketing attribution um, created a lot of uh, data sharing that was not intentional uh, byproducts Mm -hmm. of data, meaning that they've created um, data based upon the original data. And so when we look at the, the broader landscape, you have a couple of big challenges. So one of them is companies are using a lot more third parties than they often realize, right? And so, yes. you know, there was a, a Cisco study that was done maybe four or five years ago. And they did uh, they did kind of the equivalent of the jelly bean jar, um, which I don't know if you remember being a kid and they would say, hey, yeah, how many yeah, jelly how many beans, beans are in, are in the, the jar? jar and- yeah. So they did that with CIOs at large companies. And they said, how many SaaS applications do you think that your company is using? Yeah. And uh, the average CIO was I'm guessing. Somebody, me them all. Yeah, they were guessing something like 40 or 50. Um, and and then Cisco did this analysis of firewall traffic, and they were like, no, actually, it's more like 800 or 900. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that kind of proliferation of SaaS at organizations, and you know that every one of these tools is going to contain some data about individuals in order to help you. To utilize those tools and improve your business, you've got you've got the big problem, which is what we call the sneeze problem at Osano, meaning like data is like a sneeze. Once it gets out, you're never getting it back in, right? And so, you're like
0: toothpaste, once you squeeze <laughs> it, you're never getting it back in the tube.
1: I like I like that I like that analogy. That's a good one. But yes, I mean, so it's kind of like it's irreversible once that data starts okay. getting shared, and so what we do and and where we, we think that there are major problems is in a couple of places. One, we talk about data privacy. We try to simplify it down to, you know, ridiculously simple set of kind of three rules. We call them the kindergarten rules. And the first and one I is, got- cause I've got little kids. So the first one is, uh, you know, if you want something that belongs to somebody else, you have to ask permission first. Uh, if they wanna know where you're keeping something of theirs, you have to be honest. And if they want it back, you got to give it back yeah. to them and you got to do it fast, right? And those are, are how we distill the three kind of core tenets of data privacy for our customers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the challenges that I believe that companies are are having is, um, A, a, poli- a proliferation of data, uh, B, a, uh, a number of different silos in their organizations that are operating independently and perhaps not getting compliance oversight, um, and then just trying to um, keep up with what we're calling you know, what we're viewing as being a substantial increasing volume of consumers who understand that they've got rights and want to exercise right. those requests. So Osano makes tools that aid customers with every step of that journey. You can think of us as a, a, a many product platform. we meet you where you are in terms of capabilities and, in and um, where you are in the journey but, you know, those are the big challenges. Those are the kinds of things that we're helping companies to solve. And mm-hmm. we have we have products that are, you know, uh, uh, appropriate for each of those. So, for example, consent management. You know, we all think of that in terms of cookie consent, usually, right? Mm-hmm. We say, hey, cookie consent is like the, that's what consent is. Well, yeah, that's one place. But like when you open an app uh, on your phone, there needs to be permission uh, layer in there. Uh, when you are watching something on Roku and you are mm-hmm. agreeing to share your watching habits with the, the video provider, that's another permission yes. layer. When we swipe our cards at a checkout stand, um, that point of sale system is collecting data about us. That's another place where that permission layer exists. So cookie pop-ups are one piece of it and that's something we offer. But um, you know, ultimately it's all about building tools that map to that kindergarten journey. And, and we have capabilities mm-hmm. that map to each of those.
0: I really like that. I know certainly my journey being in the privacy space for, I hate to say it, but over two decades, it was much about putting things in front of consumers that were very difficult to understand, legalistic privacy notices, even cookie policies, and trying to explain to the average person what a cookie is, let alone the data permissions, et cetera, and what it all means. And you've been in this space and you're kind of coming at it from a technology enablement capability versus the regulatory, you know, the heavy duty uh, laws and rules around this. So I'd be very interested in your perspectives on the future of engaging individuals in this journey and how your tool may be able to impact that. Because traditionally, the onus has been on, you know, we're going to say what we're going to do and then you have to agree and then trying to figure out how to not exercise that right or what you what your options are it's been very difficult for individuals so do you have any thoughts on how to flip the dialogue around a little bit and yeah. put the individual in the center so they actually know what all of this is about I just came from the UK and it was interesting I was inundated every single website even if it was a, your um Canadian website, they obviously they detected my location. Everything was very much complicated cookie based policies that I'd have to agree to. So, and I have 20 years of experience in this space. So how would yeah. an average individual navigate this and what's the value? And how do you flip this dialogue a little bit?
1: Um, yeah, and apologies for the background noise. I think you know, we all work from home these days. And so you know, mm-hmm. dogs and doorbells have become the norm. Um, you know, just to be clear, we do come at this from a kind of a highly technical perspective, but um, that is because what we're doing. I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with Avalara? They make uh, yeah. they make they make tax they make sales tax software. It was a okay. really successful company, and what they did is they said, "Look." There's a regulation in Washington state. Then there's a regulation in Texas and they've got different regulations and different ways of measuring things.
0: All and you've got to,
1: you've got to comply with the sales tax obligations based mm-hmm. on where the person is you're selling to not necessarily where your business is located. Right. And so there's a lot of similarities there. So one of the things we're doing is we're taking, we we have teams of people who are you know, attorneys and privacy experts that literally all they do all day long is just keep up with regulation and then inform our product team so that we can then synthesize that Mm -hmm. into the product so that we can kind of abstract away all of that need to know a lot of the nuances of the regulation for a lot of our customers who maybe have one privacy person running their whole thousand person company privacy program and they're stretched thin and they need, they need partners. So, um, you know, the, the 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 challenges i think that are happening in terms of the regulations you know we've got um well i mean so there's there's two things there's the regulation and then there's 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 kind of putting people in control and there's this balancing act and i i'm certainly curious about your thoughts on it too because we all benefit from all of this great free stuff that we get on the internet right we get free access to search and free email which you know, you remember that used to be something you paid 10 or 20 bucks a month for. Um, and so we get all these great benefits in exchange for allowing ourselves to be tracked and advertised to. And so there's gotta be some balance, right. Of clarity about what's happening with your data, understanding why things are happening with your data and, um, and that's hard because it's really deeply technical. You have to both mm-hmm. understand technology as well as the business model of every company you're doing business with. And that's a lot to ask for the average the average person. So we have been big proponents of the concept of labeling. Um, I got to speak at a symposium with the Department of Commerce a couple of years ago. And uh, I, I told my marketing uh, team, I said, I'm gonna get everybody in there to think about tuna fish. And uh, of course, they were like tuna fish. Why? I said, because if you take a can of tuna fish at the grocery store and you look at that can of tuna fish, I can tell you exactly whether it was caught, line caught, net caught, whether there's been salt added, where it was processed, and I can quickly look and make a decision for myself about hey, too much sodium, or hey, too much cholesterol, or wow, that's not a good supply chain that I feel comfortable about, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's being overfished. And so we make it really easy for consumers to be able to decide whether or not they eat food. Um, That took a lot of fighting in the United States to get to a point where labeling was required. And our hope and thought is that something similar will exist for consumers. Um, how can we make it easy for my kids or our friends to just, they don't have to be experts, right? That's the challenge. Right. How do we present it to them in a way where they don't have to be super smart about it? And I'm, I'm curious what you think, cause it's, it's hard to well, explain these topics sometimes.
0: It is, it is. And that's why, and I know we're going off topic a little bit than when we originally started talking about this, um, this session today, but it, it's really something that I'm passionate about. And I, when you talked about your, um, kindergarten, It got me excited because that's essentially the path that I think is going to be really critical to change this paradigm of making individuals part of the process of making those relevant choices for them. I don't think we're there yet. I think we still have a long ways to go, but the labeling, I know that's a concept that has been tested and experimented with. in different initiatives. And I I do think that there's a value in that, similar to if you have poison labels, for example, there's those things that people are able to universally uh, recognize. Um, Like you say, it's a journey. So I don't have a silver bullet. I just think it's about working together as a community to try to make this um, much more participatory, not just for the companies, but for the individuals that they are providing services to or that they're-
1: And yeah, and interesting. what's interesting about that kind of broad topic. and I, I love that you're 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 talking about the individuals is that, you know, it's um, my personal experience has been that privacy is a little bit like uh, it's a little bit like environmental regulations in some ways. Mm-hmm. right Like everybody, when you step back, agrees that we should probably reduce our carbon footprint, and we should all probably. Mm-hmm you know, eat less meat. And there's all these different things that everybody kind of agrees like, yeah, the data's there. It's clearly the right thing to do. But then when we're faced with our own individual personal choices, right, we don't always necessarily make choices because of our thoughts about what's good for society. And I think that when you you think about privacy, it's not wildly different in that, if you ask me, I mean, if you go ask our friends and neighbors, right? Like, hey, you know, do you believe that you know things like our our email and news should be available at no cost? Everybody's like, yes, absolutely. You know, more information, you know, communicate these things. It should be free. These are wonderful. But then those same people turn around and put on ad blockers, and you're like, well, okay, hang on. That's a little bit of a of a of a difficult mindset. And the reason I tell you that and and kind of set up that is because. We have seen a number of technologies in the last couple of years that have come out that are, um, you know, like there's that one that's run by like the DuckDuckGo and Brave people where they're like, they're sending the global privacy signals out. And and in theory, that's really wonderful. In practice though, there's no incentive for any individual not to opt out of everything, right? Because they kind of go, well, I'll opt out and protect my data. But you know, other people won't, and therefore all these tools and, and systems I've gotten accustomed to having access to will remain free. And so it all again comes to that balance, right? How can we not just teach people about where their data is going, but then also simultaneously,, um, you know act as a champion for understanding that like sometimes you've got to make a trade, right? Exactly. If you, if you don't want to pay for your news. Right. And that news publisher has to somehow monetize. Exactly. the Exactly.
0: I think that's the key. It's around making those choices, those informed choices, even having choices. And I think that's yes. having choices that, is a good start. Where, where, what's the future <laughs> of that? Since people are used to getting things for free. Yeah. Thank you, Arlo. This has certainly been a very entertaining and insightful uh, past 45 minutes talking to you. And for anyone that would like to visit and view other interviews, please visit cdomagazine.tech. Thank you.